Welcome to Max Volume, where we deliver loud takes to soothing decibels. I am your host, Maxwell Lewis Sanders, and this is episode 89. For those new listeners out there, Max Volume is a podcast that worships at the altar of pop culture, a place where the silly and inane are of the utmost importance. It's a pod where we discuss heavy topics like Robert Redford's jawline, Dustin Hoffman's cross-dressing skills, and the universal appeal of Tom Hanks. No quote too minor, no side plot too small. This is a pod for the TV geeks and movie freaks. So welcome all weary travelers. Your boredom ends here. So no observations today. I've been kind of busy. I'm creating a second podcast because I have 89 of these ones. So I need more in a different one, in a different form. We're doing an 80s podcast, me and my buddy Mo, called Buzz in the Tower. Little Top Gun shout out. So if you like Predator, you like John Hughes movies, you like Killer Robots and Rocky movies, we're going to premiere Christmas Eve. The website's up, buzzin, B-U-Z-Z-N, thetower.com. And we got, you know, social media presence and whatnot. And yes, this is a shameless plug, but there's like five people listening, so who cares? But anyways, now it's time for my favorite part of the week. I get to talk movies with a giant human being that's also my friend. It's Andrew Steffen. Hey, 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 congratulations on buzzing the tower. I'm pumped for that. Woo, very exciting. Congrats. Yeah, we've spent like three and a half hours discussing Predator. So, I mean, <laughs> even if this doesn't work out, like my life's better. Yes. Like I know the name of the guy who's the Predator. His name was Kevin Peter Hall. He was seven foot two. He was also Harry from Harry and the Hendersons. And he was a black belt in karate and a professional ballet dancer. So the Just fact that I know that, like, worth it, you know? All badass. Yeah. And do you know it's your dad's birthday today? What do you mean? Your dad, Lou Ferrigno. It's his birthday. Lou Ferrigno. <laughs> yeah. Big Lou. I know. We were just talking about Hulk smash. All right. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that weird? It's, I mean, you didn't know it's your dad's birthday. A little awkward, but whatever. But anyways, so what we're doing today, devolving into a Nick Cage podcast slowly but surely. And I'm here for it. Are you here for it? This is just yeah. exciting. I, I think we can do his entire filmography over the next, what, five to 10 years, maybe? So only 106 acting credits. We do this once a week. We got it two years. Yeah. Okay. Two years. Good math. Yeah. So, I mean, who, who doesn't want to see every Nick Cage performance? <laughs> Like, you ever seen the show Community? Yes. Remember when uh, Abed watches all the Nick Cage movies and loses yeah. his mind? Yeah. I feel like that's what we're going to do. Yes, we will. So we got options for Nick Cage movies. Like, there's everything. And I think this might be his best one we're going we're gonna to talk about today. We're going to talk about Warlord. Wait, no, 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 no. It's called, is it called Warlord or is it Lord of War? Oh, so that was funny. When you go to the <laughs> Wikipedia page, it says not to be confused with Warlord. <laughs> ah, love it. Good, good Wikipedia ad, whoever did that. We are talking Lord of War, 2005 movie. I've seen this movie probably, this is probably one of my top five seen the most movies. Like if it was on cable, I'd just watch it. I've probably seen it 40, 50 times. Wow. So then you've never I, seen it before. You are I, a Lord of War no, version. No, I, I never caught it on cable. This is, this is my first uh, run through. So what did you think? Enjoyable. Uh, enjoyable with a sad ending. Um, serious yet funny. Quotable. So um, quotable, yeah. I, and, I just love, I love the banter. It's yeah. Such good banter with anyone in that film. Yeah, so I mean, we're catching Nick Cage, I mean, because this is a Nick Cage podcast, we're catching him at like the tail end of his second prime. This is like Jordan 96 to 98. You know what so, I mean? This is his last. Yeah, I kind of wrote that down. Is this the end of the great Nick Cage? I think so, because this is him with Adaptation, Matchstick, Matchstick Man, and National Treasure, and this, right? Right. And... It's him kind of as an adult. He's no longer an action star. He's still cool, but in kind of a cerebral kind of way, you know, an Indiana Jones kind of a, I'm not the baddest guy in the room, but I'm just kind of, I'm smarter than people. So and this I, is great. I think this might be one of his best overall performances, drama, action, black, black comedy. It has everything. 
Yeah, and it's just Nick Cage being in like the Goodfellas casino role where it's like it's these bad people who are charming and it's somehow based on a true story, which is incredible. Yeah. And I just love him as a sleazeball. He doesn't play like a, a he usually plays the good guy or the hero kind of, you know what I mean? Like usually he's kind of trying to defend his honor. Right. I, I think we talk about sleazeball, how he is in what Snake Eyes, right? I hate that um, movie so much. <laughs> I know you do. So stupid. Is that Brian De Palma? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so bad. Well, I was so excited. Like that trailer had everything I wanted. If you watch that trailer, it'll fire you up. Yeah, but, it is Brian De Palma. <laughs> yeah, it was just a bad movie. And I was like, this stinks. And they used Lennox Lewis and the MGM and Gary Sinise as evil. Like everything I like. Right up my alley. Yeah. Can't <laughs> believe you like it. Might be the end of our friendship. I know. But we do like this movie. So, so crazy. This is based on a real person. Did you know that? Well, it, it was like five people into one right like five, the positive five people first. correct the main yeah. dude is victor bout right who's a russian That's arms dealer awesome. do you know how much he was worth in the late 90s no six billion dollars oh didn't feel like yuri had i mean nicholas cage's character was called yuri orloff didn't feel like he was a six billion dollar guy did it no no didn't you say something like he was renting the suit renting the airplane but eventually his wealth caught up with him you know what i mean eventually after he yeah credit cards to pay off credit cards yeah but I mean, eventually, I mean, like when the Cold War came and, you know, he's kissing Gorbachev's face on the screen when his kid's walking, he's like, have I don't ever, care. Have you ever kissed your television? Uh, no. Have you? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I'm freaked out by static electricity or getting shocked or something, right? <laughs> Especially what? Those 90s television sets, right? Yeah. I mean, what would you kiss your television? Maybe like Phoebe Cates came on or something like that? <laughs> Sydney Crawford in the Diet Pepsi ad. There we go. Like 93, maybe. There's the winner. That's about it. But anyways, uh, so Nicolas Cage. So Rise of Awful Charming People. Like, I just love these kind of movies. And Andrew Nicole directed and wrote this, which I didn't realize. Do you know who he is at all? Or I had no idea until I looked at his filmography. He has done one of my favorite movies. In what, time. Which is? In Time. Oh, no way. You're an In Time I, guy, too. I love that movie. Yeah. Such an awesome plot. We can talk about that some other time. But In Time is great. Yeah, Justin Timberlake, the lost, the lost tapes. <laughs> but also, I mean, you seen Gattaca? I haven't. No, I mean, Gattaca, Gattaca's awesome. Right, and he he wrote and produced Truman Show too, which makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so he's a very like clean line director. All his movies look slick. They look stylized. They kind of almost have this kind of like blue gray shimmer to them, where everyone just looks cool. You know, yeah. everyone's calm. Everyone's collected. Everyone's yeah. well dressed, educated. I did, I did like the uh, the color in the in the film, just like the coloring of everything. Yeah, it's like even the bullets looked like sepia toned. Yeah, you're like like those were good looking bullets. This is the best bullets I've looked on TV, I think. Oh, I think so. The close ups, like the intro. Oh, the intro's so the great intro? with the oh. Buffalo Springfield song, and they're yeah. showing the where how a bullet goes from you know production to the back of somebody's head. Very yes. creative. Rough, rough ending to a great intro, but. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this movie has a soul. You know, what I mean, they're kind of like. Yeah, this is fun and this is, you know, hilarious. And also it's fun to watch people, you know, be successful. But there's real people getting hurt and like we're not going to ignore that. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that's why his movies aren't super popular because it's not like it's all one thing. It's just, uh, you know, a nice gumbo of a lot of different things. So so give me a 30 second rundown of Gattaca. Gattaca. Okay. This is the future, like 50 years in the future. Rather than being born naturally, the rich people can decide genetically to modify their kids to like perfection. So instead of racism or anti-Semitism, it's geneticism. Wow. And actually, I believe NASA claimed this is the most realistic movie for the future ever made. 
And it's it's uh, Ethan Hawke, Uma Thurman, and Jude Law in the late 90s. Props to Andrew Nichol. All right. Yeah. All so right. he, he just, I don't know how he gets these people, but I mean, I think that's how he has a relationship with Ethan Hawke, why he plays Jack Valentine in this. But I mean, let's give a small synopsis. So it's basically an arms dealer in the late 80s, early 90s, from rags to riches, you know, becoming, going from Brooklyn Beach as a immigrant. And, or is it Brooklyn Beach or what Brighton, was it? Brighton Beach. Brighton, Brighton Beach. There Brooklyn, we go. Brooklyn. Yeah. Immigrant, poor, and becomes one of the biggest gun runners in the world. And a scumbag, but he's slippery. He's cunning. You know, it's the Ray Liotta, Henry Hill character in Goodfellas. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I love, I love a good voiceover. When people are talking about how the world is and they're talking to you in a, like a monotone, flat voice, give me that all day. I want it to be Nick Cage. Yeah. His, I mean, usually Nick Cage isn't like sardonic kind of coolest guy in the room. You know, he's spazzy. He was like, they gave him a Xanax before he, you know, went out there. Do you know what I mean? Like, he really this is calm. The... yeah, he looked real calm the entire time. Yeah. And he was really cool. Like you wanted to be him, even though he was terrible. Right. But I, I, was, try- I was trying to think if there was any other actor this time that could play this role. Ooh. I thought of one. Okay. Keanu Reeves. Huh. Uh... I think Keanu Reeves, just that cool monotone but dude you know can't, like the one-liners and like the banger lines at the like at the end when he's like i'm gonna walk out of this room like i don't think keanu can pull that off like when has keanu ever been the smartest guy in a movie other than john wicks he's not smartest he's just the most trained all right like if anything he's you know he's going against smarts he's like i gotta do this you know it's like they killed this dog they didn't, he didn't just kill 85 people well, they also killed his wife, who was played by. They didn't kill his wife. She died Bridget, of cancer. Bridget, oh, Bridget Moynihan, though. I was trying to get to Bridget Moynihan. <laughs> oh, she's in. She's the wife in that. No way. And she's the wife of John Wick. <laughs> my God, she's the wife of like all my heroes. She's been fake married to Nick Cage and Keanu Reeves, and she's been real married to Tom Brady. Right. <laughs> oh man, I'd love to talk to her. She is. This is the best role I think she's ever been in. Would you say? Would you say? It's one of the only roles I actually know her from. So I, I robot. Uh, okay. Yeah, she's the like nerdy scientist with Will Smith. Yep. Not not a great role. No. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I find her the way he shot her, she's just stunning in this movie. Maybe because there's giant pictures of her as a model all around. Yeah, I think so. Just the giant posters. I don't know. When she's on the beach and she's like standing there in her white bikini, like I felt things. <laughs> and I'll leave it at that. But <laughs> I just I find it hilarious though that the movie starts. I looked this up. Yuri's supposed to be 20 years old when the movie starts. How is Nick Cage supposed to look 20? He looks 40. He looks 40. <laughs> he looks 40 the entire time. Like, I don't think he aged a bit. And you can't make him look younger. It's just impossible. Yeah. But, Jared Leto looks maybe 20. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jared Leto is going to be forever looking 20 to 30 years old. Ridiculous. But like you said, like, the quotes in this movie are ridiculous. Like, when he's selling his first gun, he's like, first gun deals like sex for the first time. It's very exciting and over much quicker than you'd like it to be. Like, all those little lines. I looked through the quotes on this movie. There's like a billion yeah, um, I tell you to go to hell, but I think you're already there. Ooh, that's a good mic drop right there. Yeah, um, and I think I, movie... I don't I don't want to be remembered at all. If I'm being remembered, it means I'm dead. Yeah, this is profound for like a kind of black comedy, little bit silly movie. Like I love the whole feel of this movie. It may be a movie about gun runners. It may be a movie that uh, like warlords are evil, but it's more a movie about. If you're clever, you can kind of get what you want in life. You know what I mean? Like and he does the entire time. Yeah. He gets like he, everything he wants. Yeah. I mean, at the end, it kind of sucks. I mean, well, yeah, but even in even um his his wife, 
he gets his wife by what tricking her that's true he painted the yacht i mean the uh plane with his name on it, even though it was it it was a rental how can you do that like wouldn't they like be super pissed at him it's like you wrote your name on our fucking plane <laughs> Yeah, he rented out a whole hotel. Well, it, for looked, her. it looked like it was fading off midair. So, <laughs> yeah, but I think there'd be stains. You know what I mean? I don't think it would like just fly completely off. Well, maybe I don't know. You're going like seven hundred miles an hour. But we were saying the movie's clever. Like when they switch the boat's name from Crystal to Kono. Yeah, I was just gonna say that. Yeah, when they paint the uh, K O N O, that was one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Um, using the French flag sideways as uh, a Dutch flag. Yeah, I love like who thinks Looking of that. You know, the lifesaver. That was such a cool scene. Yeah, and his brother Vitali, Jared Leto. Yeah. Jared Leto plays the best fuck up ever. Yeah. Um, what else? I mean, no, Oops. I'm just saying this movie. I mean, I, oh. I mean, I don't think he's ever played a fuck up before. <laughs> he's more kind of takes himself seriously, but like the coke scene where he's like making Ukraine out of cocaine, and he's just like so zooted out of his mind, and like you know, I just, I just love Jared Leto just being a fuck up. Hookers at family events, falling <laughs> down. Like knowing the rehab employees' names, I just I adore Jared Leto as just a terrible human being. Hi, Christian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and actually, I mean, they have a profound statement about drug use too. It's like they had uh, Yuri's like, I have no idea what separates the habitual from the addict. And it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't either. Yeah, they took a very um, moral st- stance on this movie, right? Yeah, about but it- gun trade and drugs and. Yeah, but it's kind of surprising that at the end you realize that Yuri's working with the U.S. and that he's just small potatoes compared to our government. And I guess did you under did you read about the funding for this movie? Yeah, it wasn't funded by the U.S. Yeah, isn't that crazy? So they're just like, we don't want to glorify the fact that we're really terrible people and gun runners. So no money for you. So there was some really cool little trivia um, that they worked with actual gun run gun runners in the making. They, I saw that. Yeah, when they lined up the tanks. Those tanks were real and they were for sale. That's crazy. They belonged to a Czech arms dealer who had to have them back to sell to another country. What's a tank go for? I don't mind a tank. (laughs) They also used real stockpile of AK-47s because it was cheaper than using gun like props. Yeah, there's like 3,000 of them, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So was that like the scene where they're, they're selling them by the kilogram and like there's a giant scale? Yeah, I think it's just in that giant empty warehouse. Yeah. So I love any movie that takes me into a world I don't know, and they expertly detail everything about it. You and know it has I mean? actual historical accuracy in it, too. Yeah, like the description of the AK-47. Like, he's like, I wanted an AK-47 after that. When he's like, it never jams. It's nine pounds of metal and plywood. It's on, like, currency and flags. And I don't know, it just made me want to... I never wanted an AK-47 before, but I kind of <laughs> wanted one. Can you just get one and mount it on your wall? No, nah, I'd want to fire it. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Although there is something like, I just think of like GoldenEye, the video games, like with, uh, what's his name? Odd job being all small. That's what I think of when I think AK-47s. And I love like the dollar cha-ching when someone was firing the gun. It's so good. One of the best songs, um, That's What I Want. Oh, like, yeah. That dun-dun-dun-dun, right? Yeah, that one? That's What I Want, yeah. The best things in life are free, right? That one, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, any montage for any movie where that song's on, I'm in. Like, you've hooked me. And the... The soundtrack of this movie rules, like Buffalo Springfield to begin with. David Bowie. Yeah. Eric Clapton. Yeah, cocaine, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As, as, um, who else? I think uh, the Danny Williams' uh, Christmas song. Yeah, oh, yeah. Iconic Christmas song during that scene. I love watching the movie. You can tell Andrew Nichol just knows how to make a movie. You know what I mean? That this is just an excellent director who 
is like, I'm going to show off. This is going to feel fun. So it's, it's not the same as other Nick Cage movies where you're, like you're on the edge of your seat the entire time where it just goes from one action scene to another action scene. Um, I think Andrew Nichol really moves this film nicely, tying everything in together. Yeah, and there's so many scenes like it's the rewatchable scenes. There's like 10 of them, you know what I mean? Where I'm like, oh, good, this scene. Oh, good, this scene. Like, no, <laughs> the fact that I always forget there's the scene with where the airplane gets broken down by all the African villagers, like a, like an antelope being torn apart in the wilderness. Yeah, what, like 24 times speed? Yeah. yeah, but like that's that scene should be what you remember a movie for. It's like, oh yeah, the movie with the giant airplane in it. It's like the fourth or fifth thing I think of when I think of this movie. Um, beware of the dog. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I say I like the I like the self aware fuck up. You know what I mean? Me to beware of the dog in me. <laughs> <laughs> they had a good brotherly relationship. Like I understand that that feels like two people that actually are brothers. You know. So do you think that? Um... Nick Cage, Yuri, he's a bad big brother. He's just giving his younger brother bumps of cocaine as he's about to go to rehab. <laughs> so he's not a bad big brother. I feel like they have a good relationship, actually. Like they care about each other. He's just um fundamentally morally wrong person. Okay. Yeah. It's like the Frank Lucas from American Gangster. You know what I mean? It's or it's, like Henry Hill or Sam Rothberg or Rothstein from uh, Casino. It's these people that are talented. They try to care about the people around them, but their moral compass is so magnetized that it doesn't really matter. In the end, they end up harming everybody. Yeah, yeah, he does. Because and it's so funny. It's like he could have done other things. You saw him selling timber, you know, and he probably could have made a decent living, six figures or something like that, doing timber. That, but he's like, the margins are too low. What? Was he selling timber or oil? I think he said timber in there. But I mean, anything normal, like, you know, commercial product. Right. <laughs> but I feel like, I, I think this kind of, like spawned the culture of someone saying I'm good at it for being a reason for why. I don't know. It was blow before this. Oh, blow. Uh, With Johnny Depp. I think it was before this. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, it was about four years prior. Yeah. Kind of Johnny Depp's like, dad, I'm really good at this. And his dad's yeah. like, you could have been good at anything you wanted to be good at. And you're like, Oh, poor Johnny Depp. <laughs> but I think in Lord of War, I think everyone knows what he does, right? His dad knows his wife knows. Right? Yeah, everyone knows. Yeah. But I mean, like, they don't talk about it. You're not going to Uncle Dimitri to sell Pepsi Cola. No. God, I love Uncle Dimitri. I love a good drunk Russian general. Not enough of those in movies nowadays. So I I watched, uh, what was the scene when his car blows up, right? Right, where Simeon blows, blows up his car. I literally said out loud, oh, please don't blow up and his car blows up. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's more fun when a car blows up and either you think it's going to blow up. There's something satisfying about that, yeah. you know? <laughs> Like, I think there was a movie about, like, a Cincinnati uh, hitman that I watched recently. It was terrible. It's Christopher Walken and Val Kilmer. It's on Netflix. And there was, like, over 200 car bombings in Cincinnati within a six-month period in the 70s. Is this real? Yeah, this is real. <laughs> it's terrible. Don't watch it. But it's, like, I guess that was a big thing to do then. But, yeah, I love a good car explosion. Poor Uncle Dimitri. I don't know who that actor is, but I like him. Yeah, like, no, everyone, he was good. Everyone he's, who was acting. out of a flash the entire time. Yeah, everyone in this movie was perfect. Like, I wouldn't recast anyone. Ian Holm as the rival guns runner who's, you know, small and dignified and chooses sides. I so, thought that was a good foil. Because I just went through an alien watch through. Remember, he played Ash. Yeah, movie. he did. Yeah. yeah. So, in this movie, his blood was not white or gooey. <laughs> gooey. Milk. Why are they going to make the... That really bothers me about the Aliens movies. It's like, it's gross enough as is. Why do the robots need to be white and gooey? <laughs> really bothers me. I don't know what that substance is. 
I don't care what it is. It's gross. And they're like really liquidy. They are like a Capri Sun and they just get popped open every time. I hate it. Stupid Bishop and David, right? Isn't David the Michael Fassbender one? Yeah. Yeah. I love Michael Fassbender though. You know, he's a race car driver now. I did not know that. (laughs) He stopped acting. He's an F1 racer now. Look it up. It's crazy. But what anyways, what do you, uh, <laughs> you, you think of Ethan Hawke? Does it does Ethan Hawke ever age? No, he does not. Does I he, mean, does he always have that little peach fuzz and mustache like in every movie? So when he crew cuts, he looks super young, too. Yeah. And it's the boyish smile. It's like the teeth that are a little bit not right, which I'm yeah. sure you know something about. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I saw Dead Poet Society, so he was really young in that. So. It's weird to go from Dead Poet Society to Lord of War. <laughs> yeah, but... He's great as kind of the gung-ho uh, FBI agent. Like, I don't think you've, I've seen him in this kind of good guy foil role before or after. No, I can't think. I mean, training day, kind of, right? Yeah, he's the kind of, but that's more of a fully formed character. This one, he's just like, I'm Jack Valentine. I'm taking down the bad guys, you know? Yeah, I don't think this is what Interpol actually does. No. <laughs> I think Interpol is just an agency for police, right? <laughs> oh yeah, you're right. That's weird. I don't think I don't think Interpol is getting involved in uh, international arms affairs. <laughs> yeah, and Ethan Hawke was yoked in this movie too. He's got some guns. And he wore some the Rock Baby Gap small shirts that you know had his biceps popping out, which I dug. That's what I wear. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Sadly, I'm looking at it right now. It's gross. Get to the gym, all right? But uh, like. I love that he's so high-strung, intense, you know, in Yuri's face all the time. And Yuri never loses his cool, like, ever. He, you know, he's shot by a drug lord. He finishes the deal. Like, brother killed after half the arms are destroyed. He takes half the diamonds. Does, well, I was going to ask, does he take half the diamonds? Yeah, he definitely did. Does he? Okay. Yeah, there's no way he didn't. I was, just, gonna, I was also going to ask, does Yuri have AIDS at the end of this movie? I hope not. Okay. But <laughs> possibly. That was, I mean... The dictator Andrew Baptiste put uh, two possibly AIDS-ridden African women, beautiful women, in his hotel room, and no condoms in sight. And like, that's a cruel joke. That's terrible. What? I wasn't even referencing those. So I was thinking about the one later where he does the brown and brown, and he goes on that binge and oh, the brown brown, yeah, yeah, and he goes to that, he, like, walks through the town and then gets AIDS. Yeah. Well, he plays ki- soccer with kids first, so that's good. <laughs> Watching Nick Cage play soccer and fall down while holding a fifth of vodka while like falling over with African kids is the second weirdest thing I've seen him in a movie. Is Nick Cage an athlete? No, no, no way. Okay. All right. I mean, um, I don't know. And Con Air, he had some good roundhouse kicks and all. No, but, no, I'm mean like uh, like sports athlete. No, I don't think so. I mean, he's long and lean, maybe. What's the weirdest Nick Cage like scene you've seen in a movie because this is second for me <laughs> um it might have to be anything here in lord of war <laughs> that that binge after doing the brown and brown <laughs> okay you haven't seen mandy yet have you no i read about it though as i was doing research yeah so 2018 is incredible i saw it in theaters it's basically like a heavy metal album came to life mm-hmm. and there's a scene where his wife it's not a spoiler this is what the whole movie's about his wife gets burned by a cultist and he's in his tidy whities and a shirt in like a suede 70s bathroom and he's screaming at the top of his lungs while chugging a fifth of vodka for a solid two minutes <laughs> in his tube socks. It's incredible. I'll send you it. It's fantastic. Sorry, Mandy. Got it. Yeah. 
I mean, we'll, that, we'll definitely do Mando at some point. Oh my God, it's one of my favorite movies. I love Nick Cage. And I love Andrew Baptiste Sr. in this movie. I feel like he's way overqualified to just be this warlord in this movie. Did you did you catch the three um, warlord, Lord of Wars? The three things that he says? Uh, okay, so Bloodbath, right? Bath of Blood, Warlord, uh, Lord of War. Yep. And... There's one more. Give me a clue. Uh, I don't know how to do a clue. Which... I don't know. Go. Uh, he says, "Hunt for a witch," and Nick Cage says, oh, "You mean witch hunt?" Yeah. I don't I, know why I is like he cor- why is he correcting this crazy warlord? <laughs> I, I just like how he calls him Andy the entire time too. <laughs> That's funny. Or when he shoots the guy and he's like, "Well, now you have to buy it. It's a used gun." <laughs> yeah, and also his son was just terrifying too. Can you get me the uh, the gun, the gun of Rambo? Rambo. <laughs> Which one? One, two, or three? <laughs> yeah, I've only seen one. <laughs> That guy has access to DVDs, though. He should be watching Rambo 2 and 3 at that point. I think so. Yeah. He was a cannibal, too. That's what he says, eating hearts. Yeah. I wonder what a human heart tastes like. Ooh. You ever eaten, uh, like, deer heart or anything like that? No. It's not bad. I like it. My girlfriend's a, what's it called? A bow hunter. So it's like she brings home deer stuff. And I get, I've eaten some deer heart and deer lungs. It's pretty delicious. That sounds made up. What do you mean? <laughs> She's a bow hunter? I swear. I believe you. She goes to another school, all right? <laughs> She's my summer camp girlfriend. <laughs> so we talked about um, director and writer. Did Nick Cage actually produce this? Uh, I don't know. I mean, he had a lot of... There were like seven seven producers on here, and Nick Cage had the top listing. So sometimes they do that to get the actor. They're like, yeah, you're a producer. Here's some money, you know? It's the Bloomhouse technique where... You get them a large percentage on the back end so you can get the big guy in. Do you think it costs a lot to get Nick Cage in here? This movie costs $42 million. So costs something. How much of that budget he commanded? Ah, oh, God. So, I would I would say 10 million. I don't know. Well, so on the other side, what does Jared Leto cost? What is Jared Leto doing in 2005? Is this kind of before 30 seconds takes off? Yeah, but that has nothing to do with his acting career. Like no. I just knew him as the kid from that sad My So-Called Life oh, show. Oh, the TV show? Yeah. Yeah. I don't... Was Jared Little big before, like, 2010? Um, he did that one uh, was Prefontaine, the, the running movie. That was so stupid. Him and Billy Crudup did the same movie, like, two years apart. I love when those happen. <laughs> really? It's terrible to me. It annoys me. <laughs> like like uh, Tombstone and Wyatt Earp? I haven't seen either one. I need to see oh, them they, they come out, like, the same time? Yeah. I need to see the Val Kilmer one. That's the Tombstone one, right? Tombstone, yes. Oh, so funny. You mentioned before who could play this Nick Cage role. Yeah. I instinctively go to Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer is like my answer to everything. Anytime. <laughs> yeah. Although, you know, he lost his like voice box to throat cancer and now he can never talk. No, we can't. Val Kilmer? Yeah, he can talk like a robot. Like, you know, the guys who smoke yeah. too much. It's like they talk yeah. like this. Put one of those things up to their neck. Yeah. So we will never hear Val Kilmer say anything in his own voice ever again. That's rough. I know. Because he's dangerous. Tragic. I love Iceman. And real genius, like my favorite movie ever. This this podcast is all over the place. I'm kind of doing that though. <laughs> like we're just we're just two guys on a couch drinking some scotch. I'm trying to, I'm trying to keep you on track. <laughs> I don't know. Just Nick Cage brings this out of me. I'm looking at the poster right now. What a great poster! All the bullets. Right? Yeah, like a mosaic of Nick Cage's serious face looking upwards, made entirely of bullets. Yep, I love it. Yeah. So uh, like, that's what I like about the the beginning and the end. It's just the bullets scattered through the streets. Yeah, and Nick Cage just talking to you through a fisheye lens. Pretty cool. Shows, shows the carnage that he can bring. I really like, I mean, the end speech 
is probably the best I know more than you do mic drop ever. When he's talking to uh, Ethan Hawke? Yeah, and he's like, this is what's going to happen. A general's going to come in here. He's going to tell you good job, but I can't be arrested because I work for your boss. So do you know who the boss is? Who it's based off of? Uh, Ollie North, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Nailed it. Voice, voiced by Donald Sutherland. Oh, no way. Yeah, of all people. Is, it, is he yeah. actually in the general's outfit? Uh, I don't think so. I think it's just his voice. But yeah, based on Ollie North. You know you know where I get Ollie North from, right? From Well, I mean, he's in the 90s. He was in the... <laughs> American Dad. Yeah, that's true, too. <laughs> Ollie North's gold, right? Yes. Yeah. Like, I was trying to think, though, is there a better surprise twist where the criminal flips things around on, a, on the law enforcement guy at the very end? I can't think of any. So I can think of two. Which ones? Uh, Ed Norton in Primal Fear. With, yeah, yeah, with, with um, Richard Greer. Yeah, the, yeah. Yep. the hand clap, and you're like, oh, no, he wasn't yep. crazy. I remember, yep. Or John Doe in Seven. Ooh, ooh. Yeah. Right. that's a pretty i mean that's a little more sadistic but you know yes, he got yes. him but i i've i watched that scene with him and ethan hawk and him telling him how it is like once a week there's just something about like the confidence of nick cage kind of sad beagle eye face telling you how it is without his voice moving i think because he's so spastic in all his other movies the fact that he's just this cool as a cucumber customer the whole movie is the best yeah he's definitely on something in this movie yeah, I mean, right. they definitely give a couple Xanax or something. Or maybe, I mean, he was just going through his blue fairy period, you know, like Picasso. Well, maybe he knows it's the end of his run. I don't think so. I hope not. Mexican National Treasure. He's tired from doing Benjamin Gates stealing the Declaration of Independence. Self-aware Nicolas Cage? I don't think that exists. <laughs> he knows I mean, he's got to do Ghost Rider in a couple of years. Have you seen that movie? It's so bad. It's so bad. It's funny though. <laughs> I know. I wanted to see. I was like, I'm gonna do this, and like halfway through, I'm like, I can't believe this guy. So that's the beauty of Nick Cage. He can give you a performance like this, where he's on point. You care about him emotionally. He's smart. You like him, and then you watch a movie like Ghost Rider, and you're like, well, like the Dementor sucked out all his acting talent. It has a sequel. <laughs> yeah, but I'm saying like he just does these movies where it's like he's so on autopilot that it's so like I can't imagine. Like, imagine being a director and you're like, yeah, we nailed Nick Cage for our role. And he starts reading lines and you're like, oh, no, this is like Ghost Rider Nick Cage. Ooh. It's got to be rough. So you're getting either one Nick Cage or the other, right? Yeah, there's not yeah. any. Well, no, is there is there medium Nick Cage? This like, might be medium. No, this is great Nick Cage. Oh, OK. I see what you mean. OK. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I not on the like the spastic scale, but I'm saying like on oh, how much did you like yeah, him? Yeah, yeah, poor and great performances. Yeah, like Snowden, he was okay, I guess. Uh, Kickass, he was awesome. God, he's just all over the map, man. Wind Talkers. <laughs> I'm not watching that stupid movie. <laughs> no way. So we did um, Gone in sixty seconds last week. Giovanni Ribisi played Nick Cage's brother. Yeah. Good Giovanni Ribisi. Uh, come back and play his brother in this one too instead of yeah but it wouldn't have been as good no i think giovanni still like that sleazy kind of guy he he would have i think would have fit in well in like the arms trades better than jared leto i know jared leto's got that like moral high ground here but yeah he's he's more of a free spirit giovanni doesn't seem like a free spirit you know No, no, not at all but his boiler his boiler room role could have been in this you know where he's not sure about what they're doing Mm -hmm. that kind of transfers over 
but neither one of them looks like no one looks like nick cage do no. they no one there, like cage. has anyone had like on-screen chemistry with nick cage we talked about that last week no there's no yeah chemistry. i guess not he's, he's on a film all by himself yeah i mean if i was nick cage i'd just be like i'm nick cage <laughs> him and john travolta and face off had some kind of sexual chemistry going <laughs> sexual chemistry okay well i don't know there was just there was a, there was a moment between them i just liked they, it they did have a moment God. um roger ebert three and a half stars yeah loved I was it surprised. i wasn't i think he likes movies like he's like i said the goodfellas the casino vibe yeah he likes smart movies too like he get he rated gattaca really high truman show really high i think and the guy uh what's his name nicole the director yeah, he has a good track record with uh because this is like a movie guy's movie you're like oh yes this is good stuff good stuff yeah yeah like i love lines like i never sold to osama bin laden not any moral grounds back then he was always bouncing checks i know <laughs> like where so, do you come so, up with these banger lines like this guy should be actually, writing lyrics for rappers did he actually sell to osama bin laden then well i mean it's clearly he dealt with him at least you know Always bouncing checks. So he also said that he has a student visa for the U.S., but that's another story. What could that story even be? I have no idea. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I love, I mean, just such a good Nick Cage moment when he kills the other arms dealer, Simeon. And after, like he's saying, like, you'd say stop whenever you want. And after afterwards, he just whispers, stop. I know. I, I saw that in the, uh, in the, what do you call it? The script. Yeah. There's no way. There's no way. That had to be improvised. Ooh. I think that feels like a Nick Cage you think thing. He does any improv here? Well, I was so surprised that in uh, The Rock, it was a lot, most of his lines were improv. Right. So I feel like he gives it a whirl. <laughs> and I mean, if his stuff on The Rock was his, like I will let Nick Cage, you know, freestyle as much as he want. So another thing that I found funny in here was uh, when they're on the ship. Right. And he says, slow, dead slow. And there's an actual dial for dead slow <laughs> speed yeah. on the ship. Did you catch that? <laughs> That's a real thing. Is that really a real thing? Dead yeah. slow? <laughs> dead stop. <laughs> no way. <laughs> yeah. That's a real, I mean, it's not like they made this up for the movie. <laughs> I think they did. <laughs> no. You think they, you think they got a, they made up a term, they designed a dial and they did it so he could say the words dead slow. Yes. That's insane. <laughs> and that's the cage for you. You know what I mean? I guess, I guess with Nick Cage, anything's possible. But man, if he was worth six billion dollars, I did love his apartment. Great apartment. Like that is a that is an excellent New York classic six apartment. I was gonna tell you that's in New York, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And uh, forty thousand dollar chandelier. Yeah, <laughs> there's something about our heads. Yeah, Dad, a four thousand forty thousand dollar chandelier. I, oh, I love that his dad loves being Jewish, even though they're Catholic. <laughs> well, being Jewish is awesome, man. You should try it out. It's good stuff give it a whirl i've been trying out for 34 years <laughs> but like like i said every actor in this movie is fucking fantastic like even the russian kid who was the mechanic i really liked him well it's because it was his son that's nick cage's son yeah isn't it i don't know <laughs> i thought that was his son I, I thought i read somewhere that there was a mechanic on the plane the young kid that's his son in the movie or like yeah is that... yeah, yeah yeah in the in the film yeah no it's his son's like three no, 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 it's Weston, Weston uh, Coppola Cage. Oh, no way. That's okay. Yeah. Man, yeah, yeah, why, yeah. Why doesn't he have a big career? Why don't I know about him? 29 years old. God. I want to <laughs> know what he's doing. Is he doing is it anything good? Ooh. That's, I don't know. Oh, Raven, man. 211, D Day, Rage. No, it doesn't sound like <laughs> No, these sound terrible. <laughs> but this movie has a heart, too. And also, when Vitaly gets killed, 
every time I watch this movie, I said, you know, I told you I've watched it 30, 40 times. Yeah. Every time the Vitaly scene comes on, I have to force myself to watch it. It got me. It's hard. It's yeah. rough. Yeah, that, that was sad. It got me. Yeah. Cause like they show you what's happening. You know, he's going to do something stupid, but the, the resonance of the rest of the movie doesn't work unless you get to do it through that scene. And there's no mourning for his brother. No mourning for the loss of his brother. Yeah. I feel like Nick Cage shows no emotion. Yeah. Both of her, both of her sons are dead. You know, her, his, his mom, that's a, that's a rough line. Yeah. Oh, that was even, I think that was even harder. There's some, there's some banger sad lines in this too. Like when his wife was like, I will not fail as a human being. Oh yeah. Yep. She's like, I'm a failed actress. I'm a failed painter. I'm like, where's this going? And she's failed like, well, mother, not- but I will not fail as a human being. Yeah. yeah failed mother. She's even like an okay mom. I don't know. Yeah. So do you know who she, who Bridget Moynihan was with before Tom Brady? Was it like a, God, if, if, no, the- if I pull this out of my ass, was it a, was it the goalie for the New Jersey Devils? <laughs> no, we mentioned his name last week. Scott Rosenberg, who wrote Con Air and Gone in 60 Seconds. Oh, wow. That is way yeah. different. Than- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Totally from the devil, like Martin Marty Brodeur. <laughs> the recesses of my brain is a scary place, man. I don't know so, <laughs> yeah. So this movie made seventy-two million dollars total. Cost forty-two million dollars. Only made twenty-four million dollars domestically, and it's my favorite movie. Like, if you like Nick Cage or you like good movies, most people haven't seen this for some yeah. reason. Yeah, and I I enjoyed it. I liked it. Yeah. So I mean, if you look up the interrogation scene on YouTube, it's got six million hits. Ooh. So people know, you know, people. Some people know out there that this is a banger, and now everyone out there knows. Although, why would you listen to this podcast if you didn't ever, if you didn't see Lord of War? Although my parents, we have a family movie week. I think I'm gonna make them all watch Lord of War. You think they'll enjoy it? I don't know. They might think I'm a sleazeball if I like it. You know, it's risky. Oh, if you tell them publicly that you like it. Yeah, I was thinking that or High Fidelity or uh, four episodes of Ted Lasso. I love Ted Lasso. Isn't the best? <laughs> it made me like happy cry like 9,000 times. <laughs> we, we plowed through that entire season pretty quick. Oh my God. Well, let's talk about Ted Lasso sometime. <laughs> let's do it. Well, I did a podcast on Ted Lasso. Can I do another one? It's my rules. Well, we're on a Nick Cage binge. So what do you think Guns, for the next? Grenades, hooray. Guns, yeah. grenades, hooray. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think for the next? I'm thinking Moonstruck. Moonstruck. Okay. Well, that's, that's just before. He goes on this action run, right? Yeah. That's yeah. Cher. Yeah. That's the 80s. He's still like young and thin and like seriously 80s Nick Cage. Or Bad Lieutenant, Port of New Orleans, which is a let's weird... Let's be moonstruck. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was quick. Yeah. We need to get our Nick Cage impressions down. You need, you need to take some, uh, like a survey. Which Nick Cage movie should we do next? Oh, that's pretty good too. I'll Ooh. do that. I'll put on the rewatchables. Ooh. See if we can get like ten thousand, you know, likes about what would you do next? Yes, we need a catchy Nick Cage. Like this is the cage. The cage. Is... I think you said you you nailed it. The okay, cage. the cage. Okay. The cage. All right, cool. I'll come up with an intro saying like the cage next time. <laughs> well, this one this one got away from us. This was, this, this was wild. This was yeah. a wild wild movie, not you know a standard Nick Cage action flick. So I mean, it's it's only given that this podcast is kind of off the rails. No, but eventually we're going to watch like the D minus Nick Cage movies that he need, needed to do for the paychecks. And I'm curious how wild we'll get with those ones. Or maybe we're going to we'll... have, have a hard time filling 45 minutes. Oh, quiet. You can <laughs> film 45 minutes about Nick Cage for anything. It's, a, it's easy. Just look at his face. What does he look like? He does have a beautiful face, doesn't he? He's like a melting turtle 
mixed with those large statue rocks that are all like you know those big head rocks i'm talking about easter island yeah yeah those mixed with a turtle that's melting that's an image yeah i'll think of i'll come up with i'll come up with my top three nick cage images for next week <laughs> maybe someone to draw it yeah like we'll draw them like rose and titanic just naked perfect boobs too weird on that, on that note <laughs> well nick all nick cage all the time so it's gonna be weird but till next week andrew always a pleasure oh max thank you thank you all. <laughs> goodbye see ya